I'm in charge of discovering uh, medicines that will make a real difference in, in people's lives. So uh, as you may know, Genentech is now it's an incorporated company in the United States, but 100% owned by a large Swiss drug company called Roche. But our group is completely independent, and our job is to discover medicines that make a difference. We don't make any um, generic drugs. Uh, we don't make any copies of other drugs. Um, innovation is our, we're going to live or die based on innovation. We also believe very strongly in the view of personalized medicine, that is making medicines that are tailored to individuals. The, the Roche Group owns two businesses, a pharmaceutical business and a diagnostic business. It's a very large, I don't know, maybe fourth, fifth largest pharmaceutical company in the world and the largest diagnostic company in the world. So the idea is to make medicines that are re really, really deliver benefit, tangible, terrific benefit for people. So if we make a medicine for somebody with cancer, we have to show that they actually live longer when they take the medicine, for example. So I oversee research. So our research group is about 1,300 folks. Uh, we have about 150 of the people are postdocs. And why would we have a postdoc program? People come through... They come from all over the world. They stay for four or five years. They bring in new techniques and ideas. They're, you know, not cynical yet. You know, they work at night and on the weekends, and it's just it, it just energizes the place. Then we have scientists at various levels, and the job of the scientists is to, are twofold, uh, to make to do basic science. We like to give each of our scientists somewhere, some what we call discretionary time. Uh, you know, maybe it's it's somewhere between 10 and 30% of their time. Sort of depends on the individuals. Some people, frankly, it's 100%, but that's a, that's a different topic. Um, uh, and with their discretionary time, they're supposed to just do interesting things. Do whatever you want. You know, make, make a discovery, publish a paper. We published 20 papers in Science, Nature, and Cell last year. Hundreds of papers overall from the company. But the other real tangible deliverable of the scientists is to, is to come up with a, uh, with a medicine and move that medicine into what we call early development. And in early development, the, uh, the compound uh, goes through various further stages of, of testing to make sure that it's safe. We do all of the work to file an IND, that's a new drug, new drug application uh, with the FDA, then we file the IND, and then we do the clinical studies, phase one and phase two. In phase one, you usually just uh, treat patients and make sure that the drug is safe. You know, you start at a very, very low dose. I mean, imagine putting something into a human that's never been in a human before. You slowly escalate the dose. It depends on the disease. Sometimes it'll be in patients with the disease, sometimes not. But then usually in, in phase two, you do, uh, you do a, a relatively small number of patients, but enough patients so that you have statistical power to see that you're making a difference in the disease. And what we then do would be to, if the phase two trial works, to hand the medicine to then the global development group to do the final clinical testing. And the final clinical testing would then be done in 80 countries around the world, 
It's a logistical absolute nightmare. It's done in many, many more patients so that the, um, the, the statistical um, power in, increases dramatically. And then work with the regulatory authorities to get permission, if you will, so the FDA in the case of the United States, permission to, to market the drug. Uh, so, we're, so my job is to deliver... Uh, molecules that we say have gone through proof of concept. We believe that they work. We have the chemical entity. We know that it can be manufactured. And to hand this to the global group where um, there's a lot of science involved, but there's a huge amount of, of logistics and regulatory involvement, and that's when the commercial people get involved and so on. And uh, Frankly, I'm less interested in that. I then go back and try and discover a new medicine and show that it works. From the concept of maybe um, this molecule would work in this disease to actually marketing the drug is, is uh, well, it depends. If it went incredibly fast, it could be 10 years. It's more like 15 years. And the average cost is about one and a half billion dollars to get it to get it to the market. Uh, now the the well, and the one and a half billion includes the includes the failures. So it's so let's take it into account. Um, so how many make it? Well, that that varies from company to company. I would say I would say. Uh, Probably on the average, 10% make it. Um, for us, it's probably more like 25%. But I think the I think the industry is going to do much much better in the next uh, in the next decade. And the reason is that there's been an explosion in knowledge about biology. What I what I think was happening in the industry in the in the 80s and the 90s, there were a bunch of successes. You know, drug companies, you know, Merck, Pfizer. You know, Roche, they were making tons of money. And then they're saying, but we've got to stay a growth company. We need to grow. So they gave a lot of money to heads of R&D. But frankly, there weren't very good targets. But what is a head of R&D supposed to do? Say, I don't know what to do. There aren't very good targets here. Take the money back? No, of course not. They spent the money <laughs> on lousy targets. But... During that time, there was a tremendous revolution in the understanding of biology that was taking place, which, as I said, is partially why I, I moved to industry. And I think that now there are incredible targets that we work on. Think about cancer. You take the cancer, you take the tumor, you sequence the DNA of the tumor, and you sequence the DNA of the normal tissue, and you find out what genes are mutated what genes are actually causing the cell to be a cancer cell? And then you target those. You know, is that going to work? You know, yes, it's going to work. They are working. We know they work. But, you know, that is just terrific sort of preclinical validation. Those are the kinds of things that you want to work on versus not knowing, not knowing what to work on. So it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's an expensive and a difficult process. Um, so also the industry is facing a lot, of, uh, a lot of headwinds from various countries, including our country, on uh, being willing to pay for prescription drugs. Uh, some of our drugs are 
extremely expensive. If we make a drug for a certain cancer and there are 10,000 patients per year, you know, it's not unusual to charge you know, $50,000, $60,000 a year for the drug, which we have to in order to basically recoup the investment. But look, if you're going to live longer, we think you know, it's delivering value. If you're going to take some risks and some big risks, you're going to have a higher chance of failure. But these risks, if they work out, you're going to have some really big hits. So how do you encourage that type of innovation and risk-taking in the organization if people know that, boy, if I fail, this is going to be an incredibly, incredibly expensive failure? So there must be a lot of tension between that. Or or how do you walk that line of trying to encourage risk-taking and innovation and not wanting to have some big failures? Yeah. Well, we just have to accept that you're going to have big failures. I mean, we have a, so we have a portfolio, a balanced portfolio approach. So, for instance, in the, the, the phase three portfolio now has 13 um, new molecular entities. So with that, that's a, a, a new compound. Um, I say 13 because there are probably 50 clinical studies going on. Sometimes the molecules are tested in more than one type of cancer, for example, and those are separate studies. So 13 new molecular entities. Each one has, at that, by that stage... Each one has a commercial value associated with it. And those are, that's also getting better, but those are usually wrong. I mean, you know, the, the uh, a drug that we sell, the lytic for you know, uh, dissolving blood clots was supposed to be a several billion dollar drug, and it sells 200 million a year. And a drug for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was supposed to be a couple hundred million a year, and last year was the largest selling drug in the Roche group and sold six billion dollars. So it's just the you know, opposite of what the commercial predictions were, but that's, that's getting, that's better now than it was 10 years ago. So we have a, we have a commercial value associated with each molecule. And then we have, a, we have associated with that a probability of technical success, a probability that the molecule will work in phase three. And we take that all the way back even to the portfolio that I manage in phase one, where we have a probability of technical success of the molecule getting getting to the market. So what's the probability it'll make it through phase one, probability through phase two, phase three, through regulatory. And obviously, as a molecule moves through the pipeline, the probability goes up as it passes one hurdle and the next hurdle and the next hurdle. So we have a, we have a portfolio with known value for each molecule and a probability of the molecules working. And then we balance the portfolio with more risky projects and projects that we feel are close to a slam dunk if there ever is such a thing in in our business and uh, manage the portfolio that way.